0: to And It's Writing, a tipsy writing podcast for one of our mini episodes. Every other Friday you
1: can also join us at 7 30 eastern on twitch for a live stream. To see the upcoming schedule check out our website at anditswriting.com. That's one word no spaces.
0: I'm Avery Ames, writer of adult fantasy. And
1: I'm DC McNaughton, speculative and historical fiction writer.
0: So grab a drink, pop in your earbuds, and enjoy today's episode. Hi so today we're going to talk about some red flags. To look for in agents when you're um, to kind of find which agents may be a little sketch because there are some out there who are kind of sketch uh, they do exist something that I know nothing about because I'm just
1: like I, I don't know I stick to the uh I, st- I always stick to the fucking list that you see in like the fucking like
0: Oh, like Publishers Marketplace
1: and stuff? Yeah, like Publishers Marketplace and stuff. So, like, I, I don't have a lot of experience in this because Manuscript wish list always scared the shit out of me because it seemed too much like, I don't know, a dating website. It was like, <laughs> this is fucking weird. And, like, I don't know these people and what credentials do you have? So, like, I, I, I was always, like, I don't know. Like, I guess a lot of people really love Manuscript list, and I get it. I do, but like I was one of those people who just, I'm very leery of people. I grew up in a situation where I had to protect myself. Mm -hmm. So,
0: yeah, this is going to be a lot of you. That's fine. I think part of it is, you you know, you can start in places like Manuscript Wishlist or on Twitter with like the MSWL hashtags or just scary. Do what? (laughs) Scary. Scary. Also, just like Googling literary agents, whatever your genre is. And that's where you just first. Get the names, then you start doing the digging, <laughs> the dirt. And there's a couple places I like to go initially to kind of start digging up this dirt. And the first is query tracker, query tracker.net. Um, we'll tell you there's each agent, ha- and maybe the agencies have a comment page, but it may just be the agents have like a comments page where people can post. It's usually I queried the agent on this date, I got a response. They rejected, or I got an offer, or whatever. Very straightforward. But sometimes people will post if they've had a bad experience with the agent, or if they've had something that was, you know, a red flag for them, and they'll post it there. Also, there is a forum called Absolute Right, W-R-I-T-E. They have a whole section called Bewares, Recommendations, and Background Check with an index of agency by name. And you can look at an entire forum thread of people saying. Yep, legit. I'm I'm signed with them. I have books. Here they are, etc. Usually if you go to absolute right and there's a thread and it's like 30 pages long, that's your first sign. Oh God, that's terrifying. <laughs> that something might be sketchy because it's usually a lot of people complaining. Um sometimes it's just an agency that's been around a very long time, and so people are periodically checking in to be like, everything's still cool. But there are some some agencies that have some fun threads on there. So those are the first two places I check once I have my, like, list of names. And then once you kind of see, okay, maybe they're not sketch sketch to find out if they'd be a good fit for you, then you kind of start digging into, like, well, I guess one of the other big ones before I forget is if, if any agent ever approaches you and asks you for money, that's not good. Oh, my God. Does that actually happen? Uh-huh. Those people usually aren't actually legitimate agents. That's usually a scam. Literary agents will always get paid on commission. They will get paid when they sell your book. They will be paid out of the the money that you get paid out of the book. They get paid a percentage. Usually for, for English world first print rights, that's usually 15%. It varies a little bit for other things, and that's getting nitty gritty. But they don't get paid until you get paid, basically. <laughs> so if they say hey, if you pay me, I'll represent your book. Or if they say, hey, I really liked your book, but it needed some editing. uh, I'm going to refer you to this editor that you should hire for the book. That's also sketchy. Anything where they're asking you to pay money either to them or someone they have referred you to is usually scammy behavior. I do want to add Mm
1: -hmm. real fast because I just got this email from Publishers Marketplace today. Uh Uh-huh. That there was a recent revision to the canon of ethics Uh, for agents that do not make ends meet doing agenting alone. It is now considered ethical for them to be able to do editing on the side and ask for money for it, but it is not considered ethical for them to, for instance, reject you and say, hey, but I'm an editor, so pay me money. That's not ethical. But um, I will say that after this, there might be a a bigger influx of agents sort of putting editing on their website, especially if they're an agent that doesn't make uh, enough doing commission work. And that's not a sign of a bad agent or anything, I guess. It it is literally just agents trying to get money now in a different way. So I just wanted to mention Mm -hmm, that. So the canon of ethics as far as that has recently changed because i know that for a minute that was actually a little weird yeah but now they're saying it's okay so long as they don't refer you to themselves or another editor to you know that is your choice you you should you should be the one to contact them about that stuff you know you should discover that on their website you should go to them don't let them advertise to you yes
0: and full disclosure my agent also does editing work freelance um but it is it is in this agent's policies, she will not represent you if you have hired her as a paid editor. Interesting. Like, that's a conflict. Of, yeah, it's a conflict of interest um, as a general rule. If agents do do editing on the side, they, they can't also represent you after, they, after you have bought editing services from them because then it does get into that murky territory so they you have to be like on one side of that business (laughs) interesting and never the twain shall meet um so like so just in case that happens
1: definitely mm -hmm. go to an uh, agent to edit your stuff that you don't want to have
0: as an agent because
1: you don't want to lock yourself out
0: either one that you know just doesn't have the right like trajectory Like for example, they mostly represent adult, and they'll edit a YA, but they don't usually agent YA, so they they can Mm -hmm. edit it that kind of thing. Interesting. So, yes, that is true. That some agents do do both, but but you won't you should ethically should not be a client on both sides of that situation, Mm -hmm. because then you start getting into that sketchy area. of, Well,
1: yeah. See, I didn't I didn't see anything in the canon of ethics change that regarded um agents then taking on people that have hired them for editing. Yeah. All I saw was that they can do it now and not like have it be a red flag. Yeah. They just can't refer um, you to use their yeah. editing services if they do reject Yeah, and I don't you. know if
0: that is actually like, that part of it is officially, I think that's... It might just be common courtesy. Yeah, I think that's just kind of a common yeah. Yeah. thing that people do um just to try to make sure that they avoid any sketchiness of that. Which, may, which makes sense. Which makes complete sense yeah um, so a couple other things to look at that are not necessarily like red flag, red flags in general, but maybe yellow flags for your career and what you want out of out of your writing career would be um, look at the deals that that agent has made and and if they're new to an agency, find out what deals their agency makes and whether they what type of publishers they sell to. Do they sell mostly small publishers? Are they mostly digital-only imprints? Are they ones that don't pay advances but only pay royalties? And these are all legitimate business practices, but they may not be the career path you want. So Mm -hmm. just kind of see where they've sold in the past. and know those are likely the types of places they're probably going to try to sell your book. And you can look up that stuff on publishersmarketplace.com.
1: You just go to the site. After you sign up, they do make you pay for it. It's not cheap. It's like $25 a month get get it for a month just to make yourself a list and you just type it's a little confusing at first just type in the agent's name in the search box and it will bring up a a kind of a bigger list you want to go down to the deal makers Mm -hmm. section of it and click on that that will show you what they've done Mm -hmm. just for the record it took me a minute to to get that when i started
0: it's It's not the most intuitively designed website. No, it's not.
1: It's very confusing. (laughs) And
0: if you can't pay, because I mean, $25 is not, it's not an obscene amount of money, but it's not a small amount of money. If you can't, a lot of agencies now are starting to post their book deals on their websites, or at the very least, they'll list their clients and their clients' books. And that takes a little more homework, but you can go, okay, well, here's their client. This is the book. Who published it? Do some Googling. You can find it. With more detective work, but it will take a little more legwork than it would on publishers marketplace, so kind of also on this like the new agent thing where I was talking about look at their agency if they're new um is to look at the relevant job experience of the agent if they are new, make sure that the agency they're with is not um or that they have experience previously and are because it's not uncommon for an agent to get experience with an agency, and then leave to form their own agency.
1: You can look a lot of the new agent babies will actually, what's that website that corporate people use? LinkedIn. That's LinkedIn. You can actually look up a lot of newer agents on LinkedIn, mm-hmm. and it will say that they worked under a different agent for like six years.
0: Or they interned and, at a publisher yeah, or something like that. Yeah, Yep. And it's you, you don't necessarily need to avoid newer agents. A lot of them are hungry. They're building a list. Um, just kind of take into account what support structure they may have. So if they're a, like a new agent or someone who was an intern who's been a, promoted to an associate or an associate agent that's been a, promoted to like a full agent and just go, okay, their agency is solid. So they've got a good mm-hmm. support structure there. But if you're looking at somebody who's just like, hey, I really love books and decided to become an agent and started my own agency with no experience whatsoever. Yes. I mean, Thanks. they might make good deals, but do you want to be their guinea pig is the, the big one. So those are most of the ones I can think of off the top of my head. And a lot of it is kind of just there's there's an element of gut feeling about it. Um, you can go you can go snoop on their Twitter if they have a Twitter. Not all literary agents do. Some very successful literary agents are not on Twitter. Like
1: Russell Galen, that powerhouse. Yeah,
0: Russell. Some of the like some of the like Yeah. Some of the especially like established long running agents are just not doing Twitter. Old hat agents. There are agents who are extremely on Twitter and are also very, very prolific agents. There are some that are very on Twitter who are not selling a lot of books. It's just but it kind of gives you an idea of especially um also like personality and whether you think you might work well with this person don't go like snooping on person like don't try to go look them up on like facebook and stuff stick to professional pages but if they have like a twitter listed on their agency page it's pretty why can't we go look them up on facebook <laughs> well you can but usually they have like a usually they have like a page for their agenting and then they might have like a personal account don't go dig into the personal stuff
1: I want to know what they ate for dinner last (laughs) (laughs) week. Well,
0: a lot of them are posting that on Twitter, (laughs) which is fine because sometimes I post that on Twitter, but it can kind of give you an idea of whether you think you would work well with someone just to kind of poke around and see Um, there are people who are very successful agents who are very good at their job that I have looked at their Twitter and gone, we would have a personality clash. Nothing against them as an agent. Just, I know I would not work well with this person. So that's something to kind of look for. That's another one of those, like, yellow flags that doesn't mean that they're necessarily a bad faith actor, but it can help you decide on what agents might be good for you.
1: Well, let's think about stuff that maybe people would be worried about that might not actually be red flags. Oh, that's a good one. So, like, um, I know one of the things that I was concerned about when I first started looking for agents was agents who, like, seemed to represent all genres. Like, they mm. really freaked me out. Like and
0: i still don't know how (laughs) relevant that fear is (laughs) like you know i think it's i think it's once again looking at their sales and especially how long they've been agents if they've been agenting a long time if they've been in the industry for 10 years they say they represent all genres in their manuscript wish list but you notice that they're only selling literary then you're like well they technically say they represent romance but they haven't been making romance sales and they've been in the industry long enough that if they were gonna, they probably would. That's where I kind of start piecing together those puzzle pieces because there are agents who do represent multiple genres and sell in them regularly. Okay,
1: Avery. Mm -hmm. What about the agents who want you to send them the full manuscript without
0: them making a request first? I didn't know. are, Are there those? Yes, there are. There were some. There was
1: one particular agency that I cannot remember the name of that had a submission process. It was like, send your whole manuscript. Actually, there's a couple um, bigger ones. I don't know if it was like, I don't know. I want to name any names because I don't want to mm-hmm. put this on anybody. But there was definitely, there are definitely some agencies that are like, send the whole manuscript and uh, we'll figure out you know what to do with it like should should i be worried about
0: that Avery? i think this is another one where i would look and see what the record is um because some of those might be extremely and i think i know which one of them might be um might be extremely in demand agencies that are that are very getting a lot of submissions and it speeds up the process versus them having to go okay i read the query now send me the full now send me they can just immediately go into the full and make a decision yeah, do your research. Yeah, if they're an agency that isn't, if you're doing research and they're not, not not making sales, they don't have a big name in the industry. And this is another thing that's like real vague, wishy-washy, but there are a lot of whisper networks and find writer friends who are also querying, who are write, who are interested in traditional publishing, who are looking into the stuff and kind of, you know, find your friends and find your people. And you can all look out for each other because then if one person hears something, they can be like, "Hey, dude, I just yeah. you know I have a friend that just had a really sketchy experience with this agency. I want to tell you guys because part, there is a kind of a veil of secrecy, unfortunately." Yeah, and you have to look this stuff up.
1: I I believe there was oh, it was a couple of years ago there was an agent who was making pull requests on stuff, and then they were vetting the manuscripts out to publishers to see if they would get accepted Uh or rejected before making a deal with the actual author. So they were actually taking the manuscript and subbing it.
0: Yeah.
1: To see if it was worth their time before signing with the author. So definitely do the research on the full manuscript thing because like there
0: have been some
1: times that it has gotten weird.
0: One of those agents who is known for doing that is still agenting. And I cannot name them because, no. because they like to sue people for defamation. So I can't, but there's but there was another case that I can say the name of because this is all public record and it's all it's a garbage fire that happened several years ago. But there was an agent, uh Daniel Smith, who was with a well-known agency, years of agenting, made sales on paper, everything looked good, and then all of a sudden, like started doing this thing where she was like falsifying rejections and falsifying sub lists and her clients like after this whole garbage fire happened her clients would go to editors and be like i was agented by this person by daniel smith who this whole thing went down um and i need to know if she actually sent it to you and editors would be like no i never saw it <laughs> so why would you lie about something it was like very that? weird because it was like it seemed like it was more work to actually falsify everything. Right. Than it was. And she would falsify, like, offers and then convince the authors not to take them to make it seem like she was getting offers. It was it was very weird. And like I said, this is all public record. This agent is no longer agenting. That whole thing just completely garbage fire burned. But it happened. But it does. So it can happen. If it does happen, the good thing I can say is that other agents will never hold it against you. As the author, that you ended up with a bad agent in the past, um, it may affect the viability of a specific manuscript if that agent sent it out to too many editors who've already seen it. But they'll never be like, I won't represent you because you had a bad agent at some point. That's never going to happen. If you have a good book, they're still going to they're still going to take a look. So don't feel like just because you've signed a bad contract or had a bad agent. That your career is over you can sever those ties and move on
1: uh did we mention never doing an agent that asks for money like if you get like not like coming to you looking for money but like uh saying that you know once they you you sign an offer with them do you owe them anything because their commission comes from selling your book yes they don't get money
0: unless yeah, with, sold your book. Yeah, whether they approach you or you approach them, if they ask for money before selling your book, that is not the the code of ethics, the way that agenting works.
1: Don't do that. Don't do it.
0: Don't do it.
1: Don't do that.
0: I don't I don't like see I'm such I'm
1: so pure, like <laughs> you know, I'm like how oh, these terrible people are out in the world doing this stuff cuz I kind of just stay like I have a very protective bubble I stay in and I don't oftentimes <laughs> go out of it. So I don't know some of the dark stuff that goes on out there with the agents, So
0: I think that's all of my, my bullet points on the like main list of things to look for in a sketchy agent. So every other Friday, you can join us at 7.30 p.m. Eastern on Twitch for the live stream. And to see the upcoming schedule, you can check out our website at anditswriting.com. And a
1: reminder that if you heard anything in the episode
0: that interested you, please
1: check out the show notes for links or information. Thanks for listening.